Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. Welcome back to Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. I can't believe we're here. We did it. Egypt Station, Paul McCartney's 17th solo studio album, released by Capitol Records September 7th, 2018. Wow. Chris, what are your immediate thoughts? Okay, yeah, so we've had a year now to process this album, and I've had a pretty good time living with it. Yeah. I listen to the vinyl, you know, most of the time. Okay. And I found myself listening to record two of it the most. Mm -hmm. So as we get into it, my enthusiasm is mostly for the stuff on the second record. Although there are some highlights on record one. You're a Caesar Rock guy is what you're saying. You're a Domino's kind of guy. Am I saying I'm a Caesar Rock guy? I'm a Domino's kind of guy, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. So yeah, it's interesting to have had some time to process this. We, you know, we wanted to wait and talk about it when it was just a little less new. Yeah. Yeah, who can react to something right out of the gate? Of course, we tried, you know, with our initial reaction bonus episodes. Uh-huh. But it's, it's hard with a new album to contextualize it right away. Well, yeah, there's always that rush of excitement in the beginning of anything new. People love shiny new things. Just look at our culture. Okay, so you have something like Red Rose Speedway, for example, that's been out since the early 70s. And then you caught it decades later, a decade or two. or A decade later. Yeah. And then you get to live with it for a decade or two. We didn't start recording these until 2015. Mm -hmm. So then to get a brand new record and then everybody go, so... Tell me, what do I need to think of this? And like, I don't know. I don't know what I think of it yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We don't know what we think of it at first, except we're real happy to have some new Paul McCartney because that's, you know, because yeah, we're, we're cheesy that way. <laughs> but <laughs> absolutely cheesy that way. And now I was looking forward to Egypt Station for a, a good long time because I knew that he was working with Greg Kirsten. And I'm a big fan of, oh, huge fan. As, we, as we talked about before, of Greg Kirsten and of, we love this of guy. Bird and the Bee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was looking at the credits for Egypt Station. I noticed Sonara sang background vocals on one song. On Did she there. really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's in Wikipedia. I forget which one it is now, though. She was one of the background vocalists on one of the songs. Yeah. What a great sounding album. It produced so well. It was one of my first initial thoughts back a year or so ago when we did this. I still can't believe it's been a year. It just zoomed right by. Wow. I did not initially get very excited about Come On To Me, but even from listening to that song, I could see at the time when it first came out that, whoa, this is really well produced. Yes. I bet this album's going to sound really good. I remember, so we were on Ian's show, Ian Lee's show. I was in New York at Atlantic when, I mean, I still I'm back there again, but I, it was June 20th, 2018 when I Don't Know and Come On To Me that double single came out, double A-side, I think. And, and I listened to those songs for the first time with Ian. And hmm. we, we both were lo- just kind of looking at each other like, whoa, man, that's hmm. yeah, interesting, you know, pretty cool. 
the horns on Come On To Me sound like something off of Venus and Mars or Band On The Run. At least yeah. that era. Yeah. I still love I Don't Know. Me too. That one has really held up for me. I was super enthusiastic about it on those bonus episodes. Yeah. And it has absolutely held up. I'm still loving that song. See, so Egypt Station, Paul wrote and recorded this record when they were working on the Sgt. Pepper reissue. The cover, you look at the cover, it has a ram quality. It has a pepper quality. It's from 1988. It's a McCartney painting. And Mm -hmm. while they were making this record, while they were working on the Sgt. Pepper reissue, they brought, Paul brought this concept into the studio and they loved it. I guess another title was possibly Matching Teeth. Oh. Matching Teeth, yeah, from the Caesar Rock song. Somebody yells it out. I like that title. Got matching teeth. Yeah, I wish I wish this was I wish we were doing the take it away matching teeth episode. They're both pretty cool titles, actually. Egypt Station's a cool title. Egypt Station's all right. So this album was mostly recorded in LA. London, and then McCartney's home studio that we've talked at length about. Mm -hmm. McCartney started working with Greg Kirsten after New, 2013-2014, and they have been working on this record more or less since that time, until its release. And then, I guess, some kind of scheduling conflict happened where Greg wasn't available, and they pulled Ryan Tedder in. So you have Tedder as a producer. Only one of the songs made the record itself, but there's, you know, we'll get into what else they did together. Mm -hmm. Paul's a producer. A guy named Zach Skelton is a producer. He's on the bonus track, Get Enough. So that guy's on the bonus track, Get Enough. Yeah, that was New Year's Day 2019 as a non-album single. It's got some appalling auto-tune, too. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know about there that. There is actual artistry to using auto-tune, and I don't. this doesn't seem all that artful no. in the use of it, but anyway. I remember back in June 2018, they wiped a lot of McCartney's Instagram, and they started putting up these images. First, it was a black-and-white image of that little train station yes. symbol. It's, it's actually the... It's like the Wi-Fi logo or something like that on your phone, if you look. And Paul loves this duality, pulling images from technology. Sometimes he's not even aware of it. And they began this cryptic social media rollout that I found really, really interesting. And they really thought through that whole marketing plan because this thing went to number one. This was a number one record for Paul on Billboard, big time. He did carpool karaoke with Corden. He was on... Marin. Just watched the... Well, both of those. I just watched them. I didn't watch them at the time. I figured I'd be watching them for this, so I just waited. (laughs) So the James Corden... I'm not that familiar with James Corden's show, so probably it's really fun if you know him, James Corden, and you have some affection for him going in and know what what his whole story is. I'm just seeing it out of the blue, but it it was cute. It was cute. It was funny. I can't remember if the English really love or really can't stand James Corden. Maybe okay. write us in and let us know. I could stand to get another 600 emails about something. Yeah, it is fun. It's, I like watching them walk around Liverpool. and 
Did you notice that when they get to come on to me, McCartney sort of perked up? Yes. He actually kind of performed that one. Almost like he was in a video. The rest of them, it was he. He was even kind of flubbing the words a little bit. Like, yeah, I'm. Uh, don't make me sing it. But, yeah, no, but then it was like, again. oh, it's oh, it's a new, it's a new song. Yeah, I'll sing this. Let's do it. Paul's <laughs> never lost that. He's never lost the workman-like quality of the craft. He loves making music and playing music. Yeah, I'd be excited to play a new song too. There's that rush, that adrenaline. The Soda Jerker guys got a great interview. That was a good yes. interview I remember listening to. Did a thing with Jarvis Cocker, if I remember correctly. A live streamed, I think it was on Facebook. A live stream at Lippa, where it's like a Q&A. A secret Grand Central terminal in New York performance. Oh, right, yeah. Well, there was a secret Abbey Road performance too, right? Abbey Road, yes. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Winners of a contest or something. Interviews. Is that GQ article? A Wired. There was one of those Wired. I think it was Wired. There's so many interviews. The GQ one was the one with all the weird, (laughs) quasi salacious, but not very salacious stuff. (laughs) Yeah. It was a real rock and roll interview. Disappointingly non salacious, really. It was sort of like, wow, okay. They weren't Led Zeppelin, okay? Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There are no sharks in hot tubs or whatever the story is. Oh, God. I don't even <laughs> want to repeat that story. Yeah. Uh, you can look that up. Yeah. What did you think of the Mark Marin interview? I really liked the Mark Marin interview. And I said this somewhere, and I'll say it again. The one thing that... I don't know if I had to pull over my car or I thought about pulling over my car because I was laughing so hard. is when Marin was... Uh, so, you know, the Beatles, man, you ever thought about getting the Beatles back together? And Paul says something like, well, yeah, but two of them are dead. <laughs> something like that. There's another point where he's asking Paul about I dig a pony. And Paul says, well, John wrote it. And Marin says, I guess we can't really ask him about it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Well, there was a point in the interview, though, where he is asking Paul about Egypt Station specifically. And I, I thought that was kind of fun because Marin does ask Paul about, you know, so is every album essentially your best album to you while you're making it? I mean, is this your, always your best work? And he was, he had a very humble response. Well, I was in the Beatles. It's not so easy to compete with that. Yeah. You know, and he kind of talks a little bit about that, that pressure of, you know, at some point you just have to decide that you like doing it and you're going to keep doing it anyway. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, Trying to worry about whether it's your best thing ever, at some point you, you have to give that up, maybe. Well, the thing we've seen again and again, and again and again and again and again, to quote Denny Lane, is that when Paul's not thinking about it, when he's up against it, he turns in his best material. Mm. Band on the Run. All of the drama behind the scenes of Band on the Run. Yeah. It made the recording process the escape from the drama. Yeah. So he turned in a really good record because he was focused on it. I know some don't love McCartney too. That's him not giving an F about what anybody thinks. And that's what I find refreshing. And he got a number one single out of it, out of it with, with Coming Up. Yeah. And some, some of that vibe is on this record. He's just not really, he doesn't really care. It's just, eh, I'm having a good time. Absolutely. It kept it intimate again. There are session musicians and such background singers but in terms of yeah. the 
band. It's really him and Kirsten and his usual band and, you know, Tedder on the Tedder tracks. And it's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It's not quite like Chaos and Creation where it's, you know, another McCartney type situation, one man band. But in a way it's backing off from something like new where even though much of it was with the band, he was trying all these different producers and, you know, this seems a little more intimate. Very intimate in this period of his career and in the music business in general, so many recordings are harsh and digital, compressed, limited, mastered, like big bricks where there's no space. There's no, the vibration in the air is so, there's so much noise because of all the, yeah the compression. Yeah. This doesn't feel like that at all to me. It feels nice and clean, almost refreshing. I think it's the best produced of this era of McCartney. What do you mean by this era? That is a good question. <laughs> I start late, Mako, with Flaming Pie. I guess it's post-anthology, yeah. If we're going to define what the era is, to me, it's, it's the last 20-ish years. So if we're looking against Driving Rain, Kills Driving yeah. Rain. If you're looking against yeah. New, Kills New. Chaos? Mm-hmm. Chaos is on the same level. Where Chaos is a, is a nice pair of blue jeans and a white t-shirt. This is like Austin Powers' outfit, <laughs> the crushed velvet suit and all of that. Well, it's, in- it's interesting. I mean, I don't think of myself as a t-shirt and jeans guy, but I, I think Chaos is much better than this album. I'm saying it's, but, it's, it's under, I'm just talking about the production. Oh, you're style. talking about the, pro- just okay, the production. Forget, I, forget yeah. I even said that. Yeah. In terms of the production. Then, I'm not talking yeah. about songwriting. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, production wise. Absolutely. Yes. I think this is this one in chaos, actually. Right. Are the standouts of that era for production. And parts of Flaming Pie are beautifully produced, too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to discuss or should we get on into this? Let's dive into this thing. Okay. Track... One, Egypt Station, opening station. Yeah, it's atmosphere. He's got a train station conceit going. I won't call it a concept. (laughs) It's not really a concept album. He said as much on Marin, although I know he's said something else elsewhere, but... On Marin, he did say, no, it's not really a concept album. I just have this train station idea that I thought would be kind of neat. Yeah, so it's a dreamscape. That's the quote, in quotes. Mm -hmm. And this is, but where all the songs come from? Right. The source of all the songs. I like the concept of travel. I mean, this has really nothing to do with anything, but I love the New York City subway system. Hmm. So I understand the appeal to the mystery of this big, complicated, multi-million, possibly multi-billion dollar system that gets people from place to place, that moves information and people around. Mm -hmm. I understand it. But, you know, in terms of talking about this track and this song, I mean, I don't think there's anything more to say. It's, It's like the beginning of Tug of War or the beginning of the very tiny, teeny beginning of Pepper. Yeah. Where there's a little atmosphere and you're setting the stage and then you're like, oh, we're going somewhere else. Pipes of Peace starts with a cool little right? soundscape at the beginning. Yeah. So that's what this is. Yeah. A little setup, little atmosphere. 
intro and then we're off to the races with I Don't Know. I got crows at my window, dogs at my door. I don't think I can take anymore. What am I doing wrong? I don't know. My brother told me life's not a Great song, great production. As I said before, this is a double single, June 20th, 2018. This is Paul writing a song about a difficult period in his life. Not something he does too often, really. Yeah, he his description, I guess, is a little vague. I've heard him talk about it in a, a few places where he basically says, in one case, he says he doesn't even quite remember what it was. But something, some interaction with someone had yeah. gotten him down. And he's thinking, gosh, everything I do is wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's happening? What am I doing wrong? I don't know. Now what's the matter with me? Am I right? Am I wrong? Now I started to see. This is Paul quote. That's a grown-up song. Sometimes in your life, you're not a god on Olympus. You're a real person walking around the streets. I'm a grandfather, a father, a husband. And in that package, there's no guarantee that every minute's going to go right. In fact, quite the opposite. And then he just, yeah, he keeps talking about how there's a private occasion that he's not going to get into that brought him down. So whatever it is, yeah. he's not talking about it. But he's using the therapy of music. There's mentions of this throughout this record where he uses these songs as confessional booths or therapy sessions to unload. And it's interesting. I think it's in the Marin interview. He, he reminds us that some songs are, I mean, they're also universal and people make the mistake of assuming everything is autobiographical. It can be a real problem for a songwriter that you're creating a character or you're writing about a universal experience and people yeah. are assuming that you're writing about your, your personal views or your personal experiences. So, well, yeah, okay, I might have some opinions or have had an experience that got me thinking about that, but that doesn't mean the song is about me, you know? No. Cool imagery. Crows at my window. Dogs at my door. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Really yeah, I, I mean, that was, it's great hearing his old man voice too come out of the speakers singing those lines. It's, it's perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. Dogs at my door. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> a little mention of McGear in there. My brother told me life's not a pain. That's and right. Mike. Very northern sort of sense of humor. That's right when it started to rain. <laughs> it's <funny>. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. This song reminds me of like a tug of war era type of song. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's got some little key changey things going on, some funky chords. It's a nice ballad. Sounds like it could be on pipes of peace or maybe tug of war, something like that. And it's a neat choice too, to start the album with this mid tempo, somewhat 
downbeat song. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's cool. Interesting chord progression. This yes. is not a one, four, five simple little song. There are complicated, funny things he does in the left hand of the piano. And I love it. I love listening to this song. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a sad Paul McCartney tune that has that's slightly uplifting, you know? <laughs> yeah, it does kind of have a positive message. I mean, it's Paul after all. Yeah. Always just throwing in a little love, a little love of mine, you know? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm listening to a Paul record. <laughs> <laughs> My little lady gets behind. <laughs> yeah. Every, just the one guy, and he's doing what he knows how to do best. And maybe he's honing in and pulling from a specific area era of his life, as we'll see in a second. He has his pickup songs. There's a lot of sex on this record. He's thinking about the mm. 60s when he was maybe the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. About as cool as they came as of 1968. Yeah. yeah. Great track. Real fun. Great track. Yeah. So our next track, Come On To Me. But I was just set talking about this is his pickup song. I saw you flash a smile that seemed to me to say you wanted so much more than casual conversation. I swear I caught a look before you turn away. Now I don't see the point resisting your temptation. When I first heard this on the James Corden, because I did watch that little concert, that little diner concert, when it when the song first came out, I was pretty disappointed <laughs> because I wasn't hearing the record; I was just hearing him play it live. Yeah, and I thought, man, is this a this is a cover or something, right? Tell me this isn't a song from the new album. Then I heard the record and I thought, okay, I, I get it; it's a record. You know, definitely a record. It's not supposed to be a brilliant bit of songwriting. <laughs> it's it's a kind of a vibe. Yeah, I don't love it, but I've heard worse. I love the line. You know, we can't be seen exchanging information. Mm-hmm. I think that this song is is packed with double entendre. Sure, Paul does this thing all the time where it seems like he's dashed the lyrics off. Maybe they're a bit too simple. If you really look at it and you play with, wait, what's he talking about? It can overlay literally, or it can be maybe a little sexual, or maybe mm-hmm. he's talking about something that's metaphorical, or just some kind of wacky visual image you wouldn't even ever consider. Did I ever tell you the story about a, a, a friend of mine in Atlantic met him and no. and brought him into well, some kind of party, a Grammy party or something, some L.A. thing. It was at the Chateau Mermont. And all of a sudden, there, there's Nancy, there's Paul, and she's got to just get him from the street to the party. If you've ever been in the Chateau, it's not that complicated. It's a staircase or two, and you're good. And so she's like, well, hey, Paul, or, or Sir Paul, whatever she said, you know, so how, how would you like to go? Would you like to go via the stairs? Would you like to take the, take the elevator? And Paul McCartney says to her, he goes, can we take a cloud? And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. And they go up the stairs. But this, he's always in this surrealist sort of mentality where 
He's not going to just go with what's literally in front of him. He, he he wants to take a cloud like Super Mario up to the party. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. the point to that is there's maybe more here than you say. Well, some of the language in the song is interestingly, well, I, I was about to say formal because I was just looking at this line. How soon can we arrange a formal introduction? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the one you, you know, you know, we can't be seen exchanging information. Like those are kind of, weirdly formal pickup lines. Yeah. <laughs> There's a kind of discreetness about it, maybe. You know, the chorus, the idea is, will I come on to you? Did you come on to me? Like, is it, it's not even straight up. It's kind of like, oh. Yeah, there's some uncertainty here, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I, despite all the, the many, the many dressings on, <laughs> on the, uh, on the record, the many fixins that have been thrown on the record, it's still just a bit repetitive. More than a bit. It's really repetitive. It's really just a few chords over and over and over. And I've, you know, I'm not known for my love of that kind of thing, so no one would be surprised that I, I tend to skip this one. I like it. I'm not running to it. I, I like it way more in the beginning, and it's settled a bit. Mm-hmm. But it's still above a lot in the canon, and, and definitely on the album, even. Yeah, fair enough. I don't mind it. If it wasn't a single... Do you think you'd say the same thing? Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, that brings us to track four. Happy with you. Happy with you. I sat around all day. I used to get stoned. I like to get wasted. These days I don't Cause I'm happy With you I've got lots of good things To do Oh yeah I walked around stoned <laughs> yeah he's not allowed to do it anymore that's, man, that's what i thought come on with this, <laughs> this song's a bummer man <laughs> this is his busy doing nothing period where he would just do yeah. nothing for an entire day but that was a cool song do you know that song by brian wilson busy yeah doing nothing uh-huh yeah yeah this is a song about being disciplined and organized and not lying to your doctor anymore I'm not saying that those are bad things in real life. I'm just saying they're kind of a bummer on a rock record, but mm. I mean, it, was just, it was just my my take on rock music. I don't know. <laughs> I like that line, catch a moon and drop it. Mm-hmm. See the mighty ocean break like a sailor's warning. Yeah, there's some nice imagery here. I used to drink too much. Forgot to come home. Where did he go? Did he just stay at the party or he's going to a hotel? Like that's <laughs> some unanswered questions yeah. here. Just wander around, I guess. There is some nice imagery. Gentle mantle roll, frosty morning, sailor's warning, pocket full of coins in the Trevi Fountain. There's some nice stuff here, you know. 
Definitely. More the sentiment that I just think is awfully corny. But musically, it's okay. It's We've heard it before. This is that guitar picking thing he does. We always pretty much like, but I don't see that there's any twist on it here. I'm really surprised. What's that instrument that's all over every song on... Duduk. Yeah, I'm surprised that... Is that on there? It feels like it could be on there. It's Duduk, and it's the same guy. Oh, it is on there. Yeah, you stash. <laughs> I thought I just imagined that. <laughs> nope. Good ear, buddy. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's this is a definitely... Paul could have put that on there, and oh, he did. Too bad. I don't mind it. It's... He's saying, I don't do drugs no more, man. And these are all the things I notice now that I don't do them. Is it rock and roll? You better believe it's not. But this is what we're getting on this record. He's happy to be with you in the moment, sober. All right. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The longest Mercer pause I've ever gotten. I mean, it's well-produced. And like I said, musically, it's, it's familiar, but hard to dislike, you know. Mm. What, musically, what are you going to complain about here, really? It's, it's lovely. Speaking of people's opinions, who cares? Track five. <laughs> yeah, a question that should always be asked. As soon as you worry about someone's opinion, you really should wonder who cares. Yeah. So this is a single, December 2018. I believe that's when the video dropped. So I'm going to go for, I'm not normally as negative on this show. I can't stand this song. Oh, yeah? I think it's... You could just cross this one out, and I'm good. It's just another version of Get Back. And we already have Get Back, and we already have Junior's Farm. You already have Hi, Hi, Hi. You already have Soylene. All these amazing, straightforward rock tunes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a solidly produced rock record. In terms of the lyrics, this is one of the two... Is it only two? Yeah, two, like pep talk songs on the album yeah i tend not to love pep talk songs it's my problem with like i like steven sondheim but that musical into the woods kind of annoys me because of all the pep talk all the self-help songs you know and this song's a bit like that too but it's all right i mean it's good production kind of a cool video i thought he looked kind of cool video is great the video (laughs) is amazingly good emma stone's the actress great It's, it's it's a very very good major label-y sort of music video. I wish Paul did more music videos because he's pretty good at them. I like these hanging lines, though. I guess there really are only two of them. One's repeated, but where uh, that's been left in the rain and you're a ghost in the dark. Yes, yeah. It always sounds to me musically as if the song's getting ready to go somewhere else at that point, and instead it kind of holds on and moves to the chorus. But 
I, I like having that line at, you know, kind of this little postscript to the verses. Cool. So in a song about bullying, how is telling somebody they're a ghost in the dark help them? That's how they feel. Oh, okay. They feel they've been left in the rain. Am I being outed as a bully right now? Is this why I don't like this song? <laughs> Is that what's I'll happening? i that part out. <laughs> you can leave it in. I think that's funny. I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I get it. I understand it. It just doesn't, it just doesn't scan for me, the whole thing. And I don't know why. And maybe I have to talk to somebody about that, but that's how I feel. I do like the track sequencing here, though, with the alternating rock and roll and ballady tracks on the first, mm-hmm. first stretch of the album. Come on, baby, now. Let me look at you. Talk about yourself. Try to tell the truth. I could stay up half the night. Trying to crack your code. I could stay up half the night. But I'd rather hit the road On the night that I met you I was on the town On the night that I met you I just wanna know Track six, for you, August fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, single. This is a McCartney and Tedder, and it was written on the spot. So is he saying for you, and fuck you, but you don't know which is which. He's saying both. It doesn't really. Sc- I don't know. It just doesn't scan. He should have just committed to one or the other. Mm. I. Don't mind the song. I'm saying that on record. If it were sung by somebody like Harry Styles or Charlie Puth or one of these young men, I think it would have had a hit in today's climate. Hmm. I really do. There's something very surreal and unusual about hearing Grandfather McCartney talking about how he wants to fuck you and stay up Mm -hmm. all night to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. That said, I don't mind the song. I kind of like the song. How do you feel about the song? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I tend not to like this, uh, this style of, of production just generally. And uh, it's another super, super repetitive song with uh, this, I guess they call it, a, people refer to this as modern production. <laughs> I'm not sure what's modern about it. Mm. <laughs> like, well, I guess it depends on your definition of modern. Modern in the sense of this is what people are listening to. Let's give it that. And so it's not the grandpa Macca sex aspect. That, I mean, that's fine. Fine. And the title of the song, I get what you're saying. It might be more fun just to call it For You. For You would have been amazing. Yeah. And let it be kind of, you know, sonically vague. Did he just say fuck you? And then you look at the lyrics. No, it's I want it for you. Right? I just want it for you. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. going to go steal for you. He's going to mm-hmm. do all of those things. Oh, s- sorry. He's going to stay up half the night. He's not committing to the whole night. He wants to have half the <laughs> night. Half the night means the whole night. 
I stayed up half the night last night. Late. So when when is the night start? Or we say the night starts at sunset. So if it's sunrise to sunset, so what? You're staying up until three o'clock in the morning. That's pretty late. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> These are the types of attention to details we pay attention to, and you're going to get take it away. Yeah, the take it away guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants that. <laughs> Some of you do, and I appreciate you for sticking around this long. Look, I, what I was going to say is it's not the title or the potential obscenity. You could title the song, fuck you asshole. That wouldn't bother me. That's, that's not the issue. And the it's new just, single from Paul McCartney, fuck you fuck asshole. asshole. It's got a number one on all the charts. And then it turns out in the actual lyrics, he's being coy about, he didn't really say fuck you asshole. Yeah. But anyway, um, that, yeah, that's not the issue for me. I just think this, it's just, just a clone of every other such song except for the fact that you have Paul McCartney singing it, isn't it? I mean, what you were saying earlier about it could be, could be any modern pop star and it would probably be a hit. See, that's a bad thing to me. It's formulaic. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I don't, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of what, how he would hide f- fuck you, asshole. <laughs> for Give you, me some time. I, I, for you, I so. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think on it. Let me think on it this evening. For you, I saw. Yeah, add that to the all the way at the end of the episode. <laughs> Just Mercer's going to say it all the way at the end. Give you his thoughts. Was this a hit? It was I a bit of a hit, huh? What is a hit anymore? What is he? Everyone I played it for just broke down laughing. Immediately. Wow, yeah. yeah. I remember being on the phone with somebody at Atlantic and then calling up an executive and making them play it. And then we were all like, Wow. Did Fonzie just ride his motorcycle over a shark? <laughs> what has happened here? I'm looking at the, the chart positions. It was, its peak position in Russia was 593. <laughs> okay. In Belgium. It made a dent. It made a dent. Belgium, number seven. U.S. Is it adult alternative? That's AAA. Hit 36. I wouldn't call that a hit. U.S. Hot Rock, 37. I would. I'd love to have a number 36. <laughs> this made the same... Yeah, me too. This made the same dent that girls' school made a dent, basically. Actually, okay. less. A little less, but yeah. Yeah, girls' school did a little better than that. It is a song that Paul McCartney wrote. That's my conclusion. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Tedder himself at all? Yeah, yeah. We can talk about Mr. Ryan Tedder. See, he's worked with <laughs> Adele, <laughs> Beyonce... I said Charlie Puth before, I'll say it again. Ed Sheeran, Foster the People. More or less in the last 10, 15 years of pop, he's been killing the game, you'd say. He's been active since 96. He's got that group One Republic as well. I don't mind Ryan. I know people, some people are obsessed with Ryan Tedder. Really? I think he's, I think he's all right. He's okay. Hmm. Won a few Grammy Awards, nominated for more than he's won, but he's, he's definitely... Done some good work. That's probably why Paul wanted him. Yeah, I watched Apologize this morning, both the video and a live version. It seems like, you know, he can sing. He's a decent pianist. He's got a good presence on stage. Seems talented. Yeah, he's making millions and millions of dollars off of music. He's doing a fine job. I, I'm just, I wouldn't, 
I don't really know anything about the guy himself. Well, talented at making money is a separate kind of talent, but but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's he's doing okay. I kind of love Kirsten. I love the oh, records yeah. Kirsten yeah. makes. This guy's a pop guy. He's mm-hmm. he's aiming for the radio ads. Yeah. Getting right. the bullet, they call it the bullet on the record. You know, when these things are gaining traction, yeah. Right, about as mainstream as it gets, basically, yeah. Doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean it's good. It's just what you like. The songs he turned in, I mean, I like the other one a lot, too. They don't really fit on the album, though. Yeah, it seems as if he was maybe giving Tedder an audition, or maybe he was thinking he would do something like new with a few different producers and maybe just settled in with Kirsten or something. I, I don't know. If we walk down that thread... Would I have loved an entirely Tedder McCartney record? Maybe. Maybe, maybe we talked about Coming Up earlier. Coming Up was one of the last songs they did for McCartney too. I find a lot of those records as warm-ups. He was getting warmed up and he finally knocked one out of the park. Because hmm. a lot of people think music is people just laying around. but it's, 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 you, Paul's an athlete. requires a lot of athletics, a lot of mental yes. and physical athletics. Yes, it does. Yeah, and maybe he would have warmed up and actually gotten a few hit songs out of him because Tedder has written a few tracks I really, really love for other artists. Hmm. So, well, we'll see. Maybe they'll work together again, maybe in the next record. I don't, I don't know how McCartney took the reaction to follow you, though. Hmm. We'll, we'll have to hmm. find out and wait and see. were track three on the b-side or seven on the full record confidant you used to be my confidant my underneath the staircase friend but i fell out of love with you and brought our romance to an end i played with you throughout the day and told you every secret thought Unlike my other so-called friends You stood beside me as I fought You stood beside me as I fought You used to be my confidant A love letter to his Epiphone guitar. This is the Yesterday guitar. This is the the famous McCartney guitar. I feel a little stupid because I didn't recognize at first that it was not a song to a person. Mm. And half thought maybe this is another song about, you know, his friendship with John. Or it could be. Some, yeah, and I guess that's the idea, right? It, it could be. It could be, but then you start really looking, you know, tur- serpents turned to bits of string, played like kittens in my hand. That's about playing guitar, you know. Yeah. Now, now I get it. And then going off to these other worlds while you write songs. And those are a few great lines, too, in the middle. Yeah, yeah. The lyrics butterflies are fantastic. Butterflies yeah. with army boots and the yeah. chanting long lost anthems, all of that. Mm-hmm. There is a bit of John in there. 
Definitely. You stood beside me as I fought. Come on. It can be about your guitar. That's the press story you're saying. But there are other things that are sneaking in there. Definitely. By the way, great guitar sound on this record. Fittingly enough, great guitar sound. So it was Ethan Johns who really liked the sound of a super close-miked, kind of rough one-take McCartney vocal on New. And this has that quality to me. And I I see the appeal here. I like the rough vocal here, actually, quite a lot. And I think it grated on me on New. Yeah. But I think here here it's... Well, it's a, he's a few years yet older, and as we talked about on the bonus episodes, he's really growing into his older voice, and this sounds really compelling to me. Yeah, same. He's using the instrument yeah, instead of using the former instrument. And it is rough, but it's rough in a good way. There's nothing wrong with rough. I'm looking for authenticity. So shall we move on? Yeah. So this next track... It's not my favorite track on the album, but it's way, 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 way up there. People want peace. Ladies and gentlemen, standing before you with something important to say. With some trepidation, I crave your attention, but I'm not going to let anything get in my way. The message is simple, it's straight from my heart, and I know that you've heard it before. But what does it matter? We're in it together, and I'm not quitting while people So this song, Paul played a gig in Israel, and he wanted to go to Palestine before going to Israel. He didn't want to seem like he was ignoring anyone. So he made arrangements to go into Palestine, into a music school, to this one-voice political group, and they're saying to him, all they want is peace. They want to live in peace. And something Paul's dad said, we're going to see this again in a second, he said, people want peace. Paul, people want peace. And this song came out of that. And it sounds like this could have been on Return to Pepperland. If he really wanted to, he could have. He, he could put Return to Pepperland out now and you could sneak this in there. Hmm. It has that Sgt. Peppery 67, 68 feeling of the Beatles. Great vocal performance. Fun little song. What's not to like? Yeah, it's good. It's of a piece, I think, with Come On People. Right, yeah. From off the ground. Uh And maybe even cosmically conscious. It's a big sound, kind of anthemic, and it's about peace. That's fine. I think that this is better, actually, than Come On People. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you return to something and you you actually top it. So it's not just a retread, it's it's an improvement. So I think it does that kind of thing, but better. I think the, the melody in the verse is pretty engaging. I like mm-hmm. this sort of a fast-moving melody. Maybe it's a little corny. <laughs> I mean, you know, okay, people yeah. want peace. I definitely have but... been guilty of being called corny before. <laughs> but something as simple as people want peace. I said it before I even see it in my subconscious. A simple release from their suffering. People want peace. Huh. Yeah. What, a, what an idea, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a nice arrangement, too. It has that big sound, but it's not quite as slick as Come On People, again, with the the comparison to that one. 
So that leads us to Hand in Hand. What do you think of this one? I don't mind this song. I like it. Written in his dad's piano at night. See, Paul's thinking about life with Nancy. It is, mm-hmm. reminds me of something that could have been written for Kisses on the Bottom. Hmm. Feels like that brand of songwriting. I guess, yeah, that's probably why, I mean, musically, this one really appeals to me. The lyrics, uh, yeah, it's sort of this similar problem with Happy With You. So, I mean, the lyrics, they're not super creative, I guess, is what I'm really trying to say. They're kind of run-of-the-mill love song. Two cellists on the song, one of them, I think they're two lady cellists, and one of them was getting married for the second time. And she told Paul this, this made her feel, she's a little nervous about the marriage, and this made her feel better about it. She's like, oh, I think it's all going to work out. That's the effect Paul's music seems and sounds like it has on society. Mm. Makes people feel good. Makes people feel like things are okay, despite what's happening. And maybe that's all that matters. Only when we understand Everything in life is planned Can we make this dream come true? Yeah, so that leads us to the next track on this record, Dominoes. is a really good track this is one of the highlights for me so paul says it's about how things are all right even though they don't seem to be all right Hmm. a little bit of an allusion back to i don't know and dominoes he's saying are a symbol of how life works how everything has an effect on everything else we all have an effect on others but the point is that dominoes fall and life goes on true true 
And also things, you know, cause and effect simply plays out. Things simply happen as they happen. One thing leads to another. Bit zen, perhaps, kind of letting things play out the way they're going to play out. Mm -hmm. This is a, a very beautiful song to me. Musically, it's pretty much familiar territory, but it's got a really great tune. So so when I say it's familiar territory, like these chord changes in the verse are kind of stock changes. And McCartney's used them before, I want to say. Like he used those changes in, well, Cosmically Conscious, I think, uses very mm-hmm. similar changes. Yeah, It's hilarious. But I, whenever I hear dominoes, I think of this kind of Kenny Rogers <laughs> deep cut called The Crucifixion. Ooh. A little more like me. Well, it's not that deep a cut because it is from The Gambler, but still it's a 1978 album track, so it's not exactly the title track. But it's yeah, deep it, enough. It uses... That's deep yeah, enough. It's deep enough. Track, yeah, yeah. yeah, our listeners aren't going to go, oh yeah. So I'll play, I'll play a little bit of that so you can hear the chord changes and why I think of it every time I hear dominoes. And I'm sure I would have liked him more if he were a little more like me. He were a little more like me Now, as always, when we do that, we're not saying anybody's stealing anything or anything like no. that. Yeah, these changes are kind of there for you to use, right? And it's on you to come up with a good tune or some nice twist on it. And what I was trying to say is that this, this song does with the melody. Very good song. What do you think of this one? I like it. I know people love it. Mm. There's a there's a huge love of like oh I bet you love this one I'm like no I don't love it I like it I like it all I like it enough it's a good set of lyrics in time we'll know it's all a show it's been a blast back in Brazil there lives a girl dreams of the future and a far far better world. In Brazil. All right, I know this is going to be a controversial thing. I think it's one of the best songs on the record. And I know people Uh-oh. cannot stand it. I know they hate this one. Uh-oh. I think I think it looks like Take It Away, the podcast, is going to get in trouble together. Because this is probably my favorite song on the album. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I'm honest with you. It's really good. And I've seen people crush this one online. I go, this is unlistenable music. Why? What don't people like about it? I don't know. I'd like an answer, actually. This one I would like emails to, and I may not even respond to them. I just want to see 
<laughs> I want to see why. Back in Brazil, there lives in a, a girl dreams of the future in a far, far better world. It's a great little story. The production is is cool, and the whole, the chorus. He's just saying one Japanese word over and over again. Right. Yeah, it's fun. It's that's fun. a fun. And there's a reason for it. I think you you have a quote from him about that about the ichiban. So Paul says, I originally blocked in that little phrase with hechibam, hechibam, thinking that later when I went to Brazil, someone would say, oh, that's v- very similar to a popular Brazilian word. I mean, I was getting a massage in Brazil, and it happened to be by a Japanese lady. And somehow the word ichiban came up in conversation. I said, that's Japanese, isn't it? And she said, yes, it means great, fabulous, number one. It's another McCartney whimsical story where he put some word in to hang yeah. the melody <laughs> temporarily, and he actually stumbled upon a Japanese word for number one. <laughs> What's not to love about this goofy song? The production is... It's different. I think, Chris... This is not Paul McCartney cliche. It's something new and refreshing, and maybe that's the response. People are like, oh, it's, I can't, I don't like to listen to that. I think this is fun. It's good stuff. In a way, isn't it similar to distractions or something like that, where in, in terms of it borrowing from a bossa nova kind of feeling? Yeah. I mean, in this case, it's Tropicalia. It's not exactly bossa nova, but it's, it's Brazilian pop music. But what's wrong with that? I'd love that stuff. Some Tropicalia. Give me, yeah. I love Tropicalia, yeah. Well, maybe that's the thing. You, maybe you have to like Tropicalia to like the song. Tom, but it's, the, thing is, yeah. the thing is, the song isn't, I'm eager to say, the song is not outright pastiche. It's not like, oh, here's my Tropicalia song. It kind of refers to it in the arrangement and everything, but it's, you know, it's a bit more subtle than that. It's subtle. It's interesting. What's the hate about this song? Please write me. I know I'm asking for trouble. <laughs> what's wrong with back in brazil the lyrics what you could complain about is that they i mean they're kind of obvious it's just this story that we met we got together we had some hard times we made it in the end and that's you know maybe the lyrics are too obvious for some people maybe you can see that maybe but are the lyrics too obvious for on another day I mean, there is a rhyme with girl and world, which I just try not to think about. <laughs> on an album that has Fall You on it, I think you can give him, you can cut yeah, him some I, slack. I will. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Got the time, the inclination. I have answered your invitation. I'll be leaving in the morning. Watch me go. I don't know where the wind is blowing. Got directions to where I'm going. Nothing certain. That's the only thing I know. Do it now. Do it now. While the
I do. You see, I don't understand. I do. Oh, no, no, no. I Who do. cares about it? I do. I do. <laughs> so do it now. Oh, do it now. This is my A number one. This is my tune. Holy cow, I love this song. I know people don't love this one, but I do. It's another Jim Mack phrase. Mm. You want to get it done, do it now, son. Don't wait for anybody. So my wife, Annabelle, something Davy Jones used to say to Annabelle was, wait for no man. Don't wait for anybody. You know, very, there's, it's not an exact quote, but this reminds me of that. It's an old school sort of mentality. You know, nobody's going to do it for you. You just got to go and do it. And then in these interviews, in these track by tracks, McCartney's talking about how he always loved this phrase and he thought it would make a really cool record label name. Din, mm. do it now records. Oh, yeah, do it now records. It's classic Paul. It sounds like 70s or early 80s Paul. That's why I dig it. And it's simple. And Musically, I- the verse really reminds me of I Do from Driving yeah, Rain. Yeah, sure. Quite a bit. Like If you put them side by side, they're pretty similar. I think this is musically really nice. And I already said, you know, I find the pep talk aspect of it. <laughs> Right. Not my favorite mode of songwriting, I guess, but it's a good song. Yeah, I like it. I like production on this a lot, too. You know, the isn't there like a harpsichord on this one? Yeah, there's harpsichord everywhere. It's probably yeah, it's, harpsichord. I'm a sucker for a little harpsichord. Beach Boys fan, I bet. Yeah, I'll take the pep talk if you do it with harpsichord. Fine. <laughs> okay, so then you won't take the, the pep talk. How about then Halen's Jump? You might as well jump into <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Maybe that's not a pep talk. Maybe that's just the ramblings of an insane rock and roll lunatic. I don't know. Yeah, pro- probably that, yeah. <laughs> might as well jump. That's my Dylan impersonation of that. But yes, yeah, so do it now. It's, it's fun. Does Macca have anything to say about this one? What did Mac say? Here you go. One of the interesting things about writing is that you can be in a bad mood through something that happened, and you try to work that out through the song. A lot of songwriters have done it throughout history, and it's good because you have someone to tell your troubles to, so to the piano in the case, and to work through a problem. And you work through that problem, whatever it is, and you come out the other end feeling better. And I think that makes the song more real, and I thought people can identify with this song, do it now. I think everybody knows that feeling, and it's kind of good to put into a song. That's what he said. I don't know if I got anything out of that, but Hmm. he's putting this feeling into a record, and that's that. Be 
On to the next track. Matching teeth. I mean, Caesar Rock. <laughs> God, I love the that. The title track. <laughs> Matching teeth. God, love that. Paul made this with his engineer, Steve. Paul claims that Kanye introduced him to auto-tune, showed him how to use it. And it has that McCartney 2 feel where everything goes. It's one of those ones mm-hmm. where they just started, they didn't know where they were going. And so the lyric is, she's a rock, right? Right. In the studio, they were referring to it as Caesar Rock, as a goof. Mm-hmm. Paul's having fun. That's, that's the point of Egypt Station. Paul McCartney and fun. That's an all right rock song, huh? That's an all, exactly. It's an all right rock song. It's on a par with uh, with Who Cares and Come On To Me, I think, is just good, upbeat kind of rock song. I like symmetry anonymity a lot. That's a fun rhyme. She got symmetry anonymity. <laughs> and it comes out of nowhere, but okay. Got the looks <laughs> and the books and those matching teeth. So it's essentially a sort of a jam song, huh? Sure. I'm not running back to this one, but it's fun when it comes on. Sure. Despite repeated warnings Of dangers up ahead The captain won't be listening To what's being said He feels that there's a good chance That we've been misled And so the captain's planning To steer ahead As with many of Paul's songs, you can you can universalize this. It doesn't have to be even that specific. Pretty much any situation where someone is in charge who doesn't know what they're doing and is dangerous, you know. I mean, isn't that something that's th- been going on since the beginning of time? <laughs> pretty much, pretty yeah. much, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty universal, I think. This is a quote from Paul. No, it was written before Brexit. It's about climate change denial. So he made up a captain sailing a boat into a disaster despite repeated warnings. That's all this is about. This is Paul doing a multi-section song about a mad captain. And I I think it's okay. I don't I don't run back to this one either. Really? Nah. I like it. I you know, I talked about this quite a bit the, I think on the Ian Lee show. Yeah. I think that was where he asked me about the songs I liked. And I talked about this and I, I gave my reasons as being that it's a particular kind of multi-section song. It's a multi-section song with multiple keys and everything that actually is through composed or has like a through line. It kind of keeps going. So it's not like fragments stitched together. 
it's actually a you know directional linear thing that nevertheless has these different tempos along the way and different mm. sections. And so I think it's a just plain impressive piece of songwriting and it has a good message that can be very universal. He's applying it to climate change. You could apply it to any number of things throughout history, <laughs> frankly. Uh, at the end, it says, uh, to the will of the people, it's the will of the people. So he ends up with a positive message, I guess, about democracy. Yeah. But I think it's very, I think it's a really just a well-written song all around. And this is the sort of song I look at and go, oh, wow, Paul McCartney, you know? Mm. Maybe it's the Janet Planet line that... That's a bit much. Hits me in the neck and I go, <laughs> huh? I hear you. Who I hear the you. hell is Janet? Well, there's any number of stray lines here. You know? <laughs> yeah, Janet and Planet is... is uh... I do like when he echoes, we're the best crew on the planet, and the band says we're the best crew on the planet. I think Paul's in that, too. Yeah, it's fun. There's also, yes, we can do it, and it's just coming a couple tracks after Do It Now. There's a lot of doing that's happening. Do It Now. Yeah, Do It Now is in this song. What am I saying? It's a direct... So, yeah, he actually quotes the title of a few songs back, Do It Now, in here. Don't know if that was an intended connection or not. It's happening on Domino's, too. So we're at the bookend here, Station 2. The other station. Mm-hmm. Station 2, Station Dose. It's the same sort of thing as the first one, but you can hear a guy plugging a guitar in. Uh-huh. And he's playing this riff in the station. I get images of New York, but it could be anywhere. comes in and then it blows into Hunchy Down. What a great track.
such energy and his vocal performance is so great. And then you're cruising along on that song and then comes something that sounds as if it fell off of Red Rose Speedway. I've been taken for my younger brother. McGear is back again for a second appearance. <laughs> yeah. You know, when this moment comes, it always makes me think of the change in Cage. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, when he shifts yeah, to the yeah. other part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's maybe that's why I like it so much. This, these last couple songs, this is Paul, peak Paul songwriting. This is what we've been talking about, what you and I have been talking about for the last several episodes. Where are these style of songs? Where are the abrupt multi-movement Mackam material that we grew up on. Here it is. So the uh, naked part, what would you would you call that? Like blue-eyed soul, sort of. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, sort of a six-eight swing and very good melody on this one too. So you're going from a four-four to a six-eight. Paul, in the first song, is doing a maca blues. I'd call that, and then blue-eyed soul of Paul talking about life, getting a little philosophical. Which yeah, I go back to that one all the time. I love that little song. And that's uh, McCartney's solo. It's him doing it by himself. And then you get this... I didn't know what it was. You're just like, why? What's this big thing at the end? I just didn't think it was that special. And then when he explains it, when he frames it for you, it's like, oh, it's an orchestra holding a C chord, a C major chord. And Paul's just playing lead guitar over it, which was originally 11 minutes long, which wow, <laughs> is so rock and roll. Yeah, and they <laughs> edited it down. So wh- why do you still do this, Paul? He's like, oh, I love it. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I'm Paul McCartney. I can play guitar with an orchestra if I want to. And it closes out the album. And that's... We're finally getting an end to a McCartney record. The last decade we've walked through, there's all these bonus tracks. And it's like, where does this really end? And it, it ends here. This is where it ends. I like that it's sort of a low-key ending, too. C-Link... <laughs> that's a kind of a classic McCartney thing to kind of just sail out on like crossroads or something, <laughs> you know, mumbo, mumbo yes. link or whatever that was. It's also kind of cool that, you know, you're starting the album with a mid tempo ballad, ending the album with this chill jam. There's an offhand quality to it that I like. I 
like Egypt Station. I said it. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it. I do too. Overall, I've had a good experience with it, and e- even my complaints are all kind of within. Well, with the exception of Fayou, <laughs> all of my complaints are, are basically within a kind of. They're very prissy complaints. They're not like very serious complaints, mm. you know. Yeah, I give it four bags of popcorn, <laughs> and I give it the a little gold statue of the word four. F-O-R, and I cross out (laughs) (laughs) F-U-H, and that's my review. There you go. Fuh stars. You gave it fuh stars. Fuh stars. So we do have a few extra tracks here. Before we do that, do you have any press on this album? Do I have press? Of course. So this album was received very well. Even on Metacritic, which is usually pretty harsh, it got 74 out of 100 compiled from 25 different music critics. Generally favorable reviews. All Music gave it three and a half stars. Not bad. Guardian, four stars. Enemy, four. The Observer, four. Pitchfork gave it a 5.8 out of 10. Pretty high for Pitchfork, really. Rolling Stone, four. Slant Magazine, two and a half. Stephen Thomas Airline. He's talking about how the slower songs are peppered with haunting images of darkness creeping at the edges, while McCartney revives the carnality that marked press. Hmm. Yeah. Not just on the straightforward Fall You, but Come On To Me, a considerably better song than the Tether exercise. Such twists are welcome, but what's satisfying about Egypt Station is what's always satisfying about a McCartney record, the hooks and imagination that are so rampant they seem effortless. Definitely agree with yeah. that. Dan Stubbs from Enemy says, McCartney's always been about inclusivity and openness, but this latest glimpse into his life feels like a particularly enlightening one. In Rolling Stone, Rob Sheffield says, make a list of all the songwriters who were composing great tunes in 1958. Now, make an overlapping list of the ones who are still writing brilliant songs in 2018. And your list will read Paul McCartney, period. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's what we were touching on earlier in the the album. It's like, well, do you like this song? It's like, "Ah, well, in the context of his career, yeah, you better believe I do. Yeah. Sure I do. The last one is classic rock history. They write... This is great songwriting. It's pop perfection. If we were living in an era in which radio used to play music other than hip-hop and rap, these new Paul McCartney songs would become staples of pop culture like so many of the Beatles classics did. However, times have changed, and so sadly, these great records can get lost. I don't know if I completely agree with that, but I agree with the at least the underlying sentiment that it's a good batch of songwriting produced well. And given all the noise, it still went to number one. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly. Very briefly, yes. But hey. Yeah. Well, he also released 6,000 different versions of this record. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Box sets and Traveler's Editions. And I don't even want to get into that. If you're interested in that, go hunt them down and go check them out. There are... I mean, we're going to get into the bonus tracks. So we'll touch on it briefly. But that's part of the reason... He's 
he's getting us to all buy this record six times, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I bought it twice, plus the single. So I did my little part. And that's it for press. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So that brings us to the extra tracks. Get started. And let's get started with Get Started. I like Get Started. We should, we yeah, should on I the do album. too. Yeah, and the whole play out section of it. It makes me, it's like, do I like B-sides because they're scarce, because they're harder to find? Do I like them because they... Yeah, I wonder. I've thought about that to too. dig for them? Or is this actually better than what's on the record? I don't know. Well, we've even talked about that phenomenon of how you, you give something a pass for being a B-side. You know, something that you'd be a little yeah. pissed about on the album. It's like, that's eh, a B-side. It's kind of fun. So I wonder if we if we take some of the non-novelty type songs, some of the some of the good songs, and we bump them up in our minds because they're way too good to be a B-side, right? We think of them yeah. as better than they are. But I think Get Started is good, and I, you know... We could play this game forever. I guess we've been playing it long enough that, yeah, I would I would swap it out for a few things on the album easily, yeah. In fact, I wouldn't mind seeing the Tedder tracks. Let that be like a little EP, yes. you know, and, yeah, and take yeah. get, get started. We'll get to some of the others, but maybe one of the other extras too and put that on the album. But I mean, at the very least, look, even if you love the Tedder tracks, fine, fair enough. But don't, I mean, it's mm-hmm. another case of something that sticks out and it'd be nice to kind of put it on its own thing and not interrupt the flow so much, you know? Right. So let's get started. I'm ready to be heard before the dear departed can have the final word in a perfect situation. give you my heart i'll give you my word and we'll get started now it's good songwriting a bit wingsy i like that yeah yeah needless to say (laughs) if you've made it this far or if you're just joining us for this spoiler alert we like wings (laughs) you know wonder why it didn't make the album any thoughts on that just had to make room for something else or is there a problem with it you know those chord changes i mentioned earlier in dominoes there is a chunk of this song that has those changes. Just a, just a little passage where those changes come in. I wonder if, well, you thought they sounded too similar, maybe. But it just isn't passing. It's so, yeah, it's so tough when you're building a track list and you have, if you're Paul McCartney, you've recorded, what, 25, 20, 25 songs. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's things people wouldn't even think about. Like, yeah, we already have three songs in A. <laughs> we can't have another song sure. in A or something like that, you know. Too many critics have too many wine glasses that resonate in A, and it'll annoy them when they're listening well, to the Well, theoretically, listeners yes, so. will find it monotonous, though, if every song, if too many songs are in the same key. I'm just saying those are the little considerations that go into track lists that aren't always obvious when you're sitting around <laughs> retroactively deciding what would have been better. Okay, okay, okay. 
So, more tether. Nothing for free. Nothing for free. And that's where Zach Skelton comes in. This is a great song. And I know you have said to me that you'd like this one more than the other tether track. I do, yeah. This isn't... This is fine. I mean, I don't love it, but it's fine. It's, it doesn't grate on me <laughs> or anything like that. Nothing for free is a great title. Yeah. Great title. Bit more of a rock song. Yeah, for sure. My brain stopped working today. The outro, I think that's funny. <laughs> it sounds like young man's music. And I understand Paul opting for faux you over this for his record, mm. given his thought process. Mm. There was a time when we walked by the docks I told you I'd need you all in my life But watching the tugs rolling by together Do you remember? Do you remember the lights on the shore? How they reflected the rain on the road I believe that you loved me alone It was real do you remember? Now and then I see your face I've been wanting a loving embrace I've been looking for love But it gets me nowhere Oh yeah, yeah So yet more tether. We get to get enough. This one I, I don't care for. So here's a story for you. I was at a funeral in January and a guy I really respect. We're in the middle of the funeral and it's in the it's like in the middle of the whole thing. And he turns prominent guy, prominent guy in LA, business guy, I don't want to say who. He turns over and he looks at me, he sees that I'm there. He knows I'm the McCartney podcast guy turns back and then turns back again and he goes what do you think of that new Paul song <laughs> in the middle of his funeral I say like the song hate the production and he turns back and he goes good turns back <laughs> and that's the whole conversation <laughs> that's all that's, that's the whole conversation that's uh, almost Seinfeld like and it's uh... <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it felt Seinfeldy to me <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the lyrics are okay. Watching the tugs rolling by together, do you remember? But then when it hits that chorus with that auto-tune. The auto-tune, this is the kind of auto-tune where there are a lot of artifacts in it, where it's got the garbled stuff. Mm -hmm. And too much of that garbled stuff, it just begins to reveal that you weren't in tune. Right. Or it just garbles a consonant or something, you know? And so I, I think yeah. it sounds a little sloppy. Like you can do auto-tune in a way that's in a precise way, but this is kind of kind of messy. Yeah, it's not to say that using auto-tune is bad. I th like you were talking about before. But people can use it creatively just like they use the vocoder or anything else. Sure, yeah. You play it like an instrument. I think Paul needs to... Doesn't know how to play it. Yeah. A, little, a little bit more. Yeah, he's just got to practice it a little bit more this in other words this sort of sounds like when someone's just correcting their vocals and they sang a little out of tune <laughs> yeah as opposed to artful wow. use of you know auto-tune as an instrument but i mean there's a reason that 
he buried this thing on New Year's sure. Day, the deadest day in the music business, sure. period. Aside from it coming out, I saw no other traction. He hasn't done a video for it. There's been no further promotion. So maybe it was just one of the marketing guys. It could have been Paul's idea. I don't know, somebody's idea. Let's put it out on New Year's Day. They probably just wanted a footprint in 2019 to keep promoting this record while he's on tour. But, eh, well, eh, that's my review. Those sound effects right there. We had the greatest time. So that brings us to the inexplicably reggae-inflected Frank Sinatra's party. Because everyone knows what a reggae guy Sinatra was. <laughs> yeah, man. He was a raga master. And maybe I am missing something in the lyrics. I don't know the song very well. But in reviewing it, I just thought, well, is this is sort of a bit reggae-inflected. What does that have to do with it? So the wildest part about this is that the track is from 1976. <gasps> Oh, it's that's why it's demo. reggae inflected. Oh, he was uh-huh. oh, okay. It's a Maca demo called "Fishy Matters Underwater." That's where the instrumental comes from, and they dug this one out. And he just went into the booth and started singing about Frank Sinatra's <laughs> party. Wow. Yeah, I I really love this one too because it's '76 Wings era Paul, mm-hmm. and then that hall. I'm undercover with plenty of others already <laughs> flying high. Like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, it's it's neat. <laughs> I wish this one was on the record. Yeah, I do like the whimsical quality of it. It reminds me of Move Over Busker, where he's talking about all the famous Hollywood actors from yesteryear. I mean, how often do you hear a 70s-era McCartney song? He's talking about Peter Lawford in a, in a reggae, in a raga man style, you know? It's pretty cool. Sixty-second Street. Maybe he lives on Sixty-second Street. I don't know. I didn't fact check that. I kind of don't want to. Somebody out there can hmm. find out where Paul lives in New York now. I know, I know he bought a place a couple of years ago. Maybe it was last year. And city's melting in the heat. I got my flip flops on my feet. See me walking down Sixty-second Street. Sounds like a Randy Newman kind of. This is actually a thing that happens, and it has happened. Yeah, musically, this is a really cool 
little song with the tempo change and everything. Very nice, good tune, and I really like the production, the acoustic instrumentation. Sounds really good. Time is flying by so fast, each day quicker than the last. It means I must be having fun. I hope it carries on and on and on and on. I think about this every once and again because I think about it in my life too. You know, to be Paul and to have achieved all that you've achieved and to be in the third era of your life, you know, the third act, kind of wanting to hang on to that as long as possible. I don't want to get dark on the show because it's coming for everybody, but he's really talking about it here, you know. Oh, it's getting faster. It's getting faster. Where is it going? After that, I guess we just have a few odds and ends. Oh, yes. Yeah, so let me clean this up for you real quick. So who cares full length? That is a whole little bit of an instrumental section at the end of it. Then there's some live tracks. Maybe we play little snippets of these live tracks. They're live Paul McCartney doing new songs. Mm-hmm. So they're at Abbey Road Studios, The Cavern, and Lippa, also Grand Central Station. Really what he's doing here is he's giving you a souvenir from each of the big promotional live shows he did for this record I saw you flash a smile that seemed to me to say you wanted so much more than casual conversation and then the last two there's an unreleased track I haven't heard it I pulled it out of an article in the blink of an eye there's a song that was recorded did not make it out okay and then very recently came out seven one nineteen. It's only a matter of a few days ago, really. Here, a DJ Chris Holmes remix of "Nothing for Free." So this is the guy that opened for Paul in 2011. He was a DJ act, and he's on the On the Run tour. So he's back. It's good to have DJ Chris Holmes back. Recurring cast member. A recurring cast member. Yes, and. Yeah, I I like what he does. I like what he does with this. Cool. this up it's hard to believe it really is hard to believe that we're here right now where we made it through in a matter of was it three or four years or so we've more or less touched on every single thing there is to talk about with paul 
Yeah, what a journey. <laughs> wow. I had no idea when we first talked about this that we'd be here several years later having interviewed Denny and Lawrence and all these authors and, you know, wow, what an experience. We've made a lot of friends. We've, we've met all of you. I know, I know we've been on car journeys with people together. We've traveled with people, been a part of your commute, been a part of your routine, maybe part of your work day. Maybe you shared us with a friend. Every moment of this has been such a humbling and awesome experience to see the numbers go up and up and up. Yeah, and we've both had that experience with our favorite podcasts. So it's just really gratifying, you know, to have been able yeah. to kind of give back some version of that, you know? Putting it back out there. I'm a fan of the show. And I'm not saying that in an egotistical sort of way. Let me explain. When these episodes come out, I mean, Mercer lives with them and he edits these things. And they come out and I actually ration them by 10 minutes at a time because I have so much fun listening I can divorce myself from it. And I'm like, what are these guys talking about? It's fun. <laughs> it's a fun show. Yeah. Like you said, by the time the episode is done and ready to post, I've spent a lot of time with it. And I usually will have listened to it a, at least a couple times, you know, all the way through, sometimes a few times all the way through. And so it takes me a little longer to return to them and discover them as a listener. Sometimes a year or two go by and I maybe something about one of our episodes will come up on Facebook or in, in a conversation between us. And I think, gosh, what did we say about that? <laughs> and because yeah. once they're done, we do pretty much move on. So what did I say two and a half years ago on that topic? And I'll get out an episode and listen to it. And then I can kind of have, have a listener experience with it. I'll go back to these episodes and I'm like, I don't I don't even agree with what I'm saying. <laughs> or, like, what was I even like talking about? Or sometimes we do so much research. When we're recording the episode, even sometimes we're researching while recording, that there will be little factoids that I will have forgotten. So it's like I knew it. Kind of like when you cram for a test, I knew it briefly. And now I'm finding it out again as a listener. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy yeah. produced that? <laughs> it's absurd. <laughs> Anything you learned? I mean, there were a few surprises in terms of just getting feedback from people about what they like, you know? And I've been impressed at how much people seem to really like, at least the hardcore McCartney fans really seem to admire Paul's later work. I actually thought, you know, people yeah. might stop listening after we got through the mid-80s. And I've been very surprised mm -hmm. at how much genuine enthusiasm there is for late McCartney. Yes. Yeah, there really is. People, people love this material.
Yeah, my biggest lesson is that I thought I was way above a six or seven. I was like an eight or nine level McCartney fan, maybe even a ten. And I'm closer to two. <laughs> I, I in, in what sense? I, I mean, certainly not your enthusiasm. You know, I have a lot of enthusiasm. I we we've done a lot of research. Before we did all this research, I thought I knew a lot. And then as you dig in and you're, we're uncovering these patterns. And yeah. You learn a lot about the art, the artist's process and then the business side. And you learn all aspects of a music career of this icon. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, there are people out there like yourselves who are listening. There are people, you're, you're just a bigger fan than I am, where it's, you love some of these records or maybe I'm like, eh, that's okay. Or I, I, even, I don't revisit it. And I don't know, just surprised by that. Hmm. You know, you live in your own little bubble. You don't realize that, you know, oh, no, I'm, I'm average or below average. But the, the best part of this whole process for me, I mean, the conversation has been the, the emails and the Facebook group and talking to everybody on Twitter and making friends that you didn't think you would make and people reaching out to you and just doing something because we wanted to do it because we have a passion for it. And I, you know, we've got friends online. I've met a couple of people in, in reality from the show. We've made friends with people in wings. It's, yeah. you know, you're making, you're not making a dent in the universe like Steve Jobs did, but you're putting it out there and you get back more than you thought you would because you've given something. I mean, this show has been for free. Yeah, we've right. said this to you yeah. again and again. We fuel it from donations. Everything you send in is valuable. Every little bit of interaction you do, whether you're telling a friend about it or you're sh- even talking to somebody about it, sharing a link, thank you. I mean, all, that, that's what I'll leave you with. Thank you. It's been such a great experience. Yeah, same here. It's been a, a great experience and a great, a great big conversation. Very enlightening. Very mind expanding. To see how other, you know, because part of what we wanted to do when we dug into this was find out what other people thought of it. And in some cases, we knew there we knew there'd be listeners who, you know, we'd be actually introducing to this material, and we knew there'd be listeners who would know at least as much as we did. So it was just interesting to find out for the first time, really, how other people think about some of these specific tracks. And the, yeah. the variety of opinion, especially, is talk about humbling. You begin to realize that people have a wide range of interpretations and, and preferences with regard to... Because in a way, Paul McCartney, that's, that's a very narrow little area we're looking at. One guy's yes. work. Yeah. And yet within that, it turns out there are a lot of different avenues and a lot of different ways people relate to that material. So it... I really just learned a lot about how people listen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly correct. Everybody's opinion matters in this conversation, and that's why it's been so cool. Where I'll even revisit, somebody will make an argument for a song, and I'll go, huh, well, okay, I, didn't, I never thought of it that way. Or somebody will post a link, I'll see something that I hadn't seen before, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that is pretty cool. That's what this is all about. And with that... We hope we have taken you away through this journey. And we hope maybe we'll be back at some point, but we're going to take a little time. 
I want to be able to listen to Paul McCartney music again. <laughs> I guess I will be able to. I really do think a few months yeah, off. I really do think I'll take an extended Beatles vacation, not just Paul, but Beatles, because I I always have the concern. I talked about it on an earlier episode about chewing the sugar out of yeah. things, and at this point, when you're talking decades of listening, you know. The sugar will come back, but you really need to give it some time. And I find that I have to kind of make these things my own again, you know, right. as, as interesting as it is to hear everyone's take on it, you know, there's a point where you want to, you, you want it to just be you again as a kid with this record, you know? Yeah. Having that original mm-hmm. experience and it's, yeah, it gets, it's easily diluted, I think. So yeah, I think I'll take a, a Beatles vacation for a little while. <laughs> Sounds fun. Beatles Vacation sounds fun. Charge a lot of money for one of those. (laughs) Well, Chris, I'll also like to just take a moment to say thank you to you. I mean, we've had, uh, I've had a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Love you very much. Yeah, man. See you very soon. Hopefully on the other side. Yeah, man. It's been a heck of a, heck of a ride. See you soon. Thanks, everybody. is Martha My Dear by John Lennon and Paul McCartney, realized by Ryan Brady. Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast is powered by Pippa. In time we'll know it's all a show. It's been a blast.